0: Business Class is brought to you by the Tourism Academy, harnessing the power of science, business psychology, and adult education to advance the tourism industry and build sustainable economies. Learn how to engage your community, win over stakeholders, and get more visitors at tourismacademy.org. Steve Ekstrom here, host of the Business Class podcast. Today's guest, Jared Bocker from Visit Pittsburgh, is joining me live and, and looking forward to this conversation for a while. So, Jared, how are you?
1: I'm well, Stephen, thank you very much. It has been a little while since we've been uh, trying to get this scheduled, so I'm glad to be with you finally.
0: Well, and one of the things that we've talked about in the past is that there are some very unique places and, and things to do in Pittsburgh that included, and, and most folks wouldn't notice this, UNESCO heritage sites.
1: Uh, Yeah, we've got some really unique, what we call only in Pittsburgh experiences. Uh, The UNESCO World Heritage Site that you're talking about is, of course, Falling Water. Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright architecture designed up in just outside of of Pittsburgh by about 45 minutes from downtown. But it's up in an area we call Ohio Pile, which is just an amazing area, especially for outdoor enthusiasts. The uh, the, the, the trekking... uh, Whitewater rafting, kayaking, bicycles, the trails that are there, and, of course, Frank Lloyd Wright's uh, Falling Water, which is really quite remarkable. It was He built that for one of our local retail giants back, I don't know, maybe 50, 60 years ago, and it's uh, become a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's really cool.
0: Now, looking at your own background, you know, you started in hotels,
1: I did. I that, that feels like two or three lifetimes ago, but
0: I did. You know, I, I <laughs> we were all up, young once. <laughs>
1: right. Um, yeah, I grew up in Central Kansas. I grew up on a ranch, funny enough. Um, you know, I, I, I always knew though that ranching and farming was not to be my career path as I got older, but I grew up in that area and, and certainly am very appreciative of that. But I ended up moving to Denver to go to work. No, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, um but I started working in hotels. You know it was one of those things that just appealed to me. My first job was a airport shuttle driver for a hotel in suburban Denver, driving shuttles back and forth to what was then Stapleton International Airport at the time. I loved it. I had such a great time, and I was hooked from day one.
0: so how do you how do you get from driving the shuttle bus? to eventually being the director of Dubai Tourism and now the CEO of Visit Pittsburgh?
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a, that's a long path. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of what we do in our career is a combination of luck and effort. So I have been very lucky that I have had opportunities throughout my career to do some really interesting things. Um, I had, you know, I went to school for hospitality in Denver, I was working in hotels, I had a chance to move to different states with a hotel company, Um, I was on their their hotel recovery task force, if you will, so I'd go in and some properties I was a director of sales and marketing, some properties I was an acting rooms division manager, some properties I was a food and beverage director, you never really knew what the task was going to be, but it was a really great way to know the the hotel industry inside and out, which was an, an incredible experience. So, I then moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 2002 and worked, went to work opening a hotel for that company in a suburb of Pittsburgh. It was a Marriott Hotel. And during that process, I got to know the folks at Visit Pittsburgh. And for some reason, they thought I was charming enough to join their sales team. Um, and so I went to work uh, for Visit Pittsburgh in 2004. And then in 2008, I was in a relationship at the time. My partner had an opportunity to work in Dubai. He worked for an engineering firm. And um, yeah, so the rest is a little bit of history. I, I, we decided that we wanted to, to, you know, obviously stay together and try to get to, uh, to Dubai together. So I reached out to Dubai Tourism. Um, and uh, said, Hey, I'd love to come and work for you guys. And they just happened to be looking for someone who had convention sales experience background because they were developing the Dubai Convention Bureau. So I went to work for them as their head of sales. And then shortly after that uh, was promoted to the director of that particular division. So a little bit of luck and effort, Stephen, is how that all came together.
0: And now you're back in Pittsburgh.
1: Full, full, full circle back. Yeah, I stayed in. I stayed in Dubai working for Dubai Tourism for about five years. Then I spent three years as a freelance uh, um, advisor for the Saudi Commission for Tourism, as well as the Abu Dhabi uh, Tourism uh, Bureau. Both of those still in business events, business tourism advisory. Then I went to Bahrain and lived there for three and a half years working as an executive director for the Economic Development Board. So really taking everything I knew about tourism development and applying it to the greater economic development conversation which was actually really beneficial for me coming back to Pittsburgh and working at Visit Pittsburgh, simply because we obviously are responsible for developing the tourism economy in, in this region. So, taking a lot of that work that I was able to do in investment promotion and in economic development, workforce development, taking those skills and bringing them back here to Pittsburgh has been really valuable.
0: How do you, what's something that you take from growing up on, on a ranch? <laughs> And you find yourself applying that on a regular basis in your role now as a CEO?
1: You know, that is a great question. Thanks. I think there's two things <laughs> that I bring. That. One is, 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 and this is probably going to sound a little corny, <laughs> pardon the pun, corn growing up in Kansas. But, um, you know, one of the things is a, a work ethic. You know, we grew up working on that ranch on that farm every day as a child you know our my father would come and and get us out of bed at six or seven o'clock in the morning on weekends um every weekend over the holidays same story we, we would go to work and and you know we would be at it until late in the evening that is very much how i grew up and i think that work ethic is still ingrained in me today i still get up at the crack of dawn and and go right at it. So I think that's one thing. And the second thing I think is just a genuine sincerity um, for people. I think that especially in the industry in which we work, it's important to make sure that we value people of various backgrounds, opinions, perspectives, and so forth, and really make sure that we are trying to listen. We're trying to engage sincerely. Um, So I think those are the two lessons that I took away from my, my youth in central
0: Kansas. And how is, what similarities do you see between, you know, your work in the Middle East um, and living in the Middle East and being in Pittsburgh?
1: There is, that's another really great question, Stephen. There is one overarching, I said this to, to a few people since I've been back. There is one overarching theme between working in the Middle East and working in Pittsburgh, and that is overcoming preconceived notions. You know, there is any destination that we work in around the world, we have to combat preconceived notions about our destination. In the Middle East, you know, certainly in Dubai, there's a lot of, you know, misconceptions that's, you know, in some ways about, you know, it's very conservative, it's not welcoming, you know, there's their laws are so strict that you're not going to really be able to enjoy a cocktail on the beach or whatever the case might be. So there's a lot of misconceptions that we had to continue to reshape um pittsburgh is the exact same scenario where people have a lot if you've never been to pittsburgh before and the same if you've never been to any of these destinations you again don't necessarily understand all of the amazing depth and character and spirit that a city like pittsburgh has so our job is to shape those stories to shape that story in the mind of travel consumers around the world um, and it really is about changing people's perspectives. And that is the common theme, I think, of every destination, no matter where you are.
0: What are one or two of the biggest misconceptions you think people have about Pittsburgh?
1: Um, I think a lot of people who have not been here before probably still tie it back to the industrial age. You know, we have a an amazing legacy of industry, whether it's steel, glass, concrete, and so forth. You know, a real tough industrial past that I think a lot of people still connect with the city, Um, you know, and that's great. That certainly was what caused the foundation of the amazing destination that's here now. That legacy has created foundations that are some of the best funded foundations anywhere in the country who support our local art scene, our, our local cultural organizations a lot of our economic diversification movements. All of these are really funded by that legacy of philanthropic um, foundations that are here. So we're lucky to have that. I think that's one misconception that people have. Another misconception is that Pittsburgh is just kind of just another Midwestern or Northeastern city, depending on where your vantage point is, um, that really there isn't a lot there. You know, it's it's just a city. There's not a lot of depth. There's not a lot of character. But when people come, and they get to meet our local people, our residents, our communities. They walk around and see the amazing architecture that's here. They go to our downtown jazz clubs, they go to our various restaurants, they go to our breweries and distilleries. And I recognize that as I'm you know naming off this list, that there's a lot of cities that boast the same traits. But there is some, there's some magic that really happens when you're in a city like Pittsburgh. Where all of that comes together with the character and the spirit of the community, that's really quite unique. Um, so those are those are some of the misconceptions, and obviously, as I said, you know, our job is to go out and try to get people excited about it, and we're doing that. You know, when people come to the city, when they leave, their minds are blown; they're just completely taken away by or taken aback by what the city
0: has to offer and the character and everything that they've experienced. So one of the things that we've heard from destination marketing organizations over the last couple of years and through COVID was that the view of your stakeholder and the audience that you're, for lack of a better term, pitching to um, has shifted in in ways that include more communication with your residents. Um, Is that true in Pittsburgh? And, And if so, how is that in practice? Yes
1: the bottom line is yes that has absolutely happened in pittsburgh like most destinations i think it's important for destinations and i think all you know we have we are really fortunate to work among a a network i'm going to use the word community across the country and really across north america of really amazing destination marketing organizations doing really interesting work we want to count ourselves among them and you know the game has changed for sure coming out of post or coming out of covid and and A lot of the other factors that we're facing, whether it's economic factors here and abroad, um, wars in various parts of the world and so forth, um, the game has changed. We have got to make sure that destinations continue to adapt and that we are serving the community in which we represent. And to your point, that community continues to evolve, you know. Back in, you know, not so long ago, but really kind of back in the day of, of early destination marketing, our focus really was around how do we make sure that people are staying in our hotels? How do we make sure we continue to drive hotel stays? And while that's still the crux of a lot of what we do, because most organizations are funded through hotel tax revenues, we need to continue to focus on that. But there is a broader spectrum, including our residents. We are going through We're we're undertaking quite a few initiatives at the moment. Two of those are relative to our residential population. One of them, of course, is a rebranding exercise. What is the next tourism brand for the region? And the second is the destination master plan. What is it that tourism looks like now and then moving forward? How do we make sure that we're developing a hyper-competitive tourism market five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road so these two initiatives are absolutely critical from a residential perspective. So we're spending a lot of times on a lot of time on residential surveys, um, on having focus groups, on reaching out to our various community organizations, making sure that they all have a voice in what brand Pittsburgh looks like from a tourism standpoint, as well as what are those destination assets and experiences that we want to develop into the future. They have to have a voice in that. It's absolutely critical.
0: I am taking notes. you know you've got a, a lot of work on your plate. How do you How do you unwind?
1: <laughs> I often tell people that it's, I, I, I get through the day on coffee and I get through the evening on wine. so there's a, <laughs> there's a good balance of beverage in my in my system. Um, <laughs> but to be fair, it really is, and this is this is a practice that we have put into place throughout our organization is a strong work-life balance. We make sure that people take time off, that they have the time to recoup mentally. We have a lot of wellness practices that we put in place in the organization. Um, And we do this because when people are in their work environment, whether they're working in the office or they're working in their home office, which we, like many organizations, have adopted a hybrid model, but when they are working, they are very much expected to be delivering a certain amount of work. There is a, a structure that we've put in place creating a high-performance organization where everybody in the organization, regardless of your role, your position, have very specific objectives that you have to reach. And their salaries, their compensation is based on that performance. So they have a base salary, but then they also have objectives that they have to reach in order to really fulfill their total compensation. So with that, we push them pretty hard. Um, We expect a lot. We're doing a lot more work with a lot less people. We're still about a third smaller than we were before COVID. So we're pushing them. So because of that, then we also tell them that, you know, on the weekends, make sure you take the time to disconnect. When you have vacation time, take the time to disconnect. Um, And then there's some other wellness things that we try to get people to to practice kind of throughout the work week, mindfulness and some other things. Um, And hopefully that doesn't sound too flowery, but that's really the
0: the culture that we're trying to create within the organization. So if you were to describe the culture of the organization in one word, what would it be? I don't know why chaos came to my mind first. (laughs) (laughs) Well, chaos can be organized and productive sometimes. Controlled chaos.
1: Um, I'm going to say collaborative, uh, community focused. Um, I know those are two different uh, concepts and more words than you asked for. But I'm going to say collaborative because that really is also the crux of, of the foundation of what we do as an organization. Nothing in our organization happens really in a silo. And all of the work that we do as an organization also does not happen in a silo. We have to collaborate with um, various organizations, as you know, all of the time. And we've talked a little bit about that. Even as we're recording this podcast, our conference room is full of stakeholders who are there to put a voice in on the Destination Master Plan. Um, Later on this afternoon, we've got our advisory group on the branding um, exercise that's coming together. So that group is also going to be meeting virtually. Um, so there's a lot of collaboration that goes on. And I think that's really the the foundation to what we do. And that's probably the best word that I can use.
0: Tell me about your first travel experience that you can remember.
1: <laughs> I can tell you my first international travel experience, actually. And I don't, I, I it is technically an international travel experience, but I'm going to use that term loosely because I went to Toronto. Um, You know, I was 16 years old. It's the first time I've actually ever been on a flight. First time I've been technically out of the country. Um, And I was it was insane. Like everything that went wrong for a 16 year old flying for his first time um, on his own kind of went wrong. The flights were delayed. The flights, um, the luggage was lost. The hotel reservation was not not there when I arrived and it was, it was an interesting thing, but it was a, it was a conference, you know, one of the best things about our industry. And a lot of times when we get introduced to new places, is through a conference or an event. Um, I was flying to Toronto for a youth and agriculture conference. Um, and uh, yeah, it was really quite exciting, but it was chaos. Absolutely chaos.
0: Is there anything that you take from that experience and you see it or or you learn from it and you apply it now um you know i think it's
1: an appreciation for what people go through especially people who are not necessarily well versed in in traveling which is you know typically a large part of our population don't travel as frequently as many of us certainly in the industry do um so it's really having patience for those individuals who don't travel as much you know when you're in a line at the airport and you've got a mom or a dad or you know someone with young children in particular trying to maneuver what everything that an airport experience entails um it really does remind us or reminds me of of how you really need to be patient you know as, as travelers we get for you know we fortunately kind of figure out how to navigate an airport how to navigate a flight a, a making sure that we know the most efficient way to, to get through it not everybody has that insight so really, that, the biggest lesson is to be patient and to remember that not everybody is as fortunate as, as, as others um,
0: with their frequency of travel. So you mentioned the work you're doing to sort of put your organization in that class of leading destinations. Who do you look to as a leader in the industry, as, as uh, somebody that uh, you admire their work and their, and their work ethic?
1: Uh, that's like trying to pick my favorite food category. There's so many. Um, we can ask you, know, you that so too. There so there, many. There are so many. And I, I really would hesitate to try to name out one. Um, but there are people in this country, across North America, and even around the world, who I just find really inspiring. And most of the people that I find inspiring are those individuals who exhibit just stability and confidence no matter what they're facing. You know, all of us can get caught up in the, the chaos and the politics and the, you know, the, the naysayers and the critics. You know, it's easy to get sucked into those kinds of conversations and those kinds of, of um, mindsets. Those that I really admire in the industry are those that are seemingly – rising above it i say seemingly because they probably go home or go into their offices and you know throw a rubber ball against the wall or whatever they do for tension relief but i feel like those people who are able to exhibit just consistency and um just kind of an even tone when it comes to how they approach these things those are the people i admire the most
0: so you already mentioned in some ways how you're like your father, and that he was getting you up in the morning on the ranch. How are you most like your mother?
1: <laughs> my, uh, my consistency and demeanor comes from my father, for sure. My chaos in, <laughs> in demeanor comes from my mother. Um, it is definitely a balance. I have an internal conflict between my mother and father on a constant basis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and how would you like other people to describe you?
1: Um, you know, if someone's describing me, I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that they describe me in that way that I just described the others that I admire, you know, as a consistent, um, collaborator, as a consistent inspiration within the organization and outside. Um, it's really important to me that, that people view me and me as a direct representative of our organization, really as people who are part of the community. You know, we do not get wrapped up I try not to anyway, get wrapped up in ego and, and all of these other things that kind of get us into trouble occasions. It's really about how do we continue to be part of a bigger voice, a bigger perspective. And I hope that's how people seem.
0: Is there anything I didn't ask that you hope I did?
1: Um, I don't know. I feel like we discussed a lot. You know, it's been an incredible adventure so far. I'm also of the mindset that that adventure is far from done. Um, So I'm looking forward to really seeing what we can continue to do in Pittsburgh and and in our community. Um, I am really excited about what the future holds. I think our organizations have to continue to evolve. All of us need to make sure that we continue to have that mindset, that we have to continue to evolve and change. Um, So that's where my mind is. That's where I'm focused on. And
0: yeah, good days ahead, I'm sure. And lastly, what advice would you have for people who... Uh, are just getting started in the industry. Have an open
1: mind. Don't necessarily get so focused on one career path, perhaps or one destination, one locale. Don't be afraid to broaden your horizons. Go abroad, um, even if it's for a short time. Is really don't don't be afraid to take chances. Life is far too short. You know, I started in this industry. Um, I think I was, how old was I when I started driving the van? I think I was 20, if I remember correctly. Um, and that was a few years ago. So don't <laughs> underestimate the fact that time goes by so quickly. Life is short. Do not get caught up in the minutia. Do not overthink all of the little details that you're going to try to overthink. Um, yeah, life's too short, man. Enjoy it.
0: I think that's a great note for us to wrap up on. Thank you for joining me here on the podcast. I appreciate you, and I look forward to visiting Pittsburgh. If folks want to learn more about Pittsburgh, visit pittsburgh.com is the best way to do that. Fantastic.